So the beginning of our fourth full day of practice together. And uh, we're really getting into the to the heart of this retreat now. And hopefully um, having a sense of uh, some collectedness starting to be established. The uh, dropping away of uh, some of the some of the um, burdens that we were carrying with us when we arrived, and maybe you know this this theme of of journeying into presence, peace, and gratitude that. Uh, we, we don't shed the presence and it's something that we keep establishing, but maybe t- starting to turn our attention a little bit towards uh, also this sense of how do we nurture the seeds of, of peace within ourselves. It's always good to begin at the, at the start of any new day with, a, with an attitude of, of beginner's mind, so real interest as we come to this practice or any any period of practice together. What's what's actually happening now? Uh, finding our our direct contact with the body as it is as it's manifesting this morning. Sense of sitting here. time to really uh, allow these sensations to emerge in awareness. The sounds around us in the room. <coughs> and we can also just check in and see what the weather pattern in, in the mind is right now. Is there a particular mood or... Uh, uh, mental weather pattern that we're bringing to the experience of this morning. So perhaps if you if you had a, a, a night where you didn't rest as well as you would have liked to, there might be a, a thought or a, a memory of I didn't I didn't sleep as well as I wanted to. And so we carry with us a sense of oh I'm you know I'm tired and it's going to be maybe it's going to be a difficult day because I'm tired. But you can notice that that's just a thought in the mind, a perception you know based on uh, what happened before. Actually, just encountering this moment. Well, how is it right now? Maybe maybe the body's tired. Maybe maybe actually right in this moment I feel okay. We don't need to let the day be dictated uh, by a storyline. Or perhaps yesterday you had a, had a particularly happy or peaceful, blissful day and there's, so there's a bit of strategizing happening. Well, if I just do, do things like this today, I can recreate that, that pleasant experience. We don't know how today's going to unfold, but we can just tune in this moment is like this. So establishing mindfulness as the uh, to the front, to the fore, as the most important thing, as we said yesterday morning. Okay, that mindfulness uh, take the chair in the committee of your mind. 
and let that mindfulness be flavoured with a sense of, of kindness or compassion. So the sense that the, the compassion that we aligned ourselves with in the early morning practice that uh, flows like water through the mantra could just flow like water through your practice today and infuse your mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness, sometimes, sometimes we talk about it as kindfulness. You know? Wise mindfulness is always infused with this sense of uh, caring, of, of compassion, of kindness. So with the steadiness that we begin to accumulate, we, we can examine more closely what's actually arising in this moment and also how I am in relationship to it. So uh, I think it's Uteja, Sayadaw Utejaniya who says that uh, mindfulness or awareness, is, collectedness of mind is like a, a magnifying glass in which we can examine experience more closely. If we're lost in, in uh, afflicted states of mind, in, in greed, hatred or delusion, these, these don't magnify our experience in that sense. They exaggerate it. So can we, can we look under a magnifying glass but without exaggeration? So one thing we can can be uh, alert to today is the presence and the absence of these uh, mind states that I was describing last night, the hindrances. And particularly if we find ourselves caught in a lot of thinking, it can be really useful to just really feel out, well, what's, what's the energy that's underneath this thinking? What's driving uh, these thought patterns, this chain of thought? Often there's, there's a particular uh, manifestation of one of these states of mind underneath. So sometimes, you know, we, we'll... Uh, perhaps there's just an a, a experience of an uncomfortable physical sensation and this can trigger a slew of reactivity that starts to colour all of our experience. So perhaps with this magnifying glass, we can, we can get a little bit of, uh, of distance, of separation between the thing that actually triggers it and the reaction that's provoked in the mind, between uh, the stimulus and the response. So there's a famous words of Victor, Victor Frankl, the um, Holocaust survivor who, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, that it says that between the stimulus and the response, there's a gap, and in that gap is a, the place where we can choose our freedom. So one, one uh, helpful strategy to employ in relation to the hindrances is uh, and some of you might have heard this acronym before, but an acronym uh, RAIN, R-A-I-N, of uh, some reminders of what to do in the face of a hindrance. And that the first thing that we need to do, the R, is to actually recognize its presence. So you notice that perhaps you're lost in a, in a bundle of thinking and, and you actually start to question, well, what's the, what's the, what's the weather pattern that's feeding this, that's, that's stimulating it? Uh, 
Do I notice a, a little presence of some sense of not wanting, of pushing away, or of, or of wanting something, of desire? And then rather than being lost in the, the content of the storyline, to actually turn our attention to the, to the mind state that's behind it, recognizing it, making, making that that rather than the narrative, the object of our meditation, the focus. We could say that this is, in a sense, the vitaka element of directing our thought in a particular skillful way. And then, rather than being in a hurry to sort things out and get rid of it, just taking, taking this interest in it, just allowing the A of this RAIN acronym, allowing whatever's happening for you to be here, really getting a sense to the the possibility of feeling into it, really getting to know it thoroughly by feeling what's actually here. This could be, you could imagine, think of that as the the vichara element of of actually holding it, uh, feeling it out in your experience, resonating with it. Oh, yeah, restlessness feels like this. Doubt feels like this. The experience of, of aversion feels like this and this is this is moves in, into the territory of investigating the i of the acronym so you can see well what what actually what what is this feeling where do i feel it in the body you know what's actually sustaining it what's keeping it in place how is it tinging the other aspects of my experience Sometimes it's possible then to to respond by using some of the skills that we've been developing and working with the breath, for example, to actually start to calm and uh, and soothe the mental state and to soothe the experience in the body. Uh, so, what's it like if I breathe through my restlessness? Maybe even you know employing some of the skills developed. We develop in the Qigong practice that real sense of I can, I, can, I can work in a way with my energy body just with a very gentle intention and a light uh, awareness of the breath energy in the body. I can soothe and calm what's here. You can notice if you're, you're feeding a mind state with a story and what happens if you unplug yourself from the story, or if you replace it with a different story. And you can notice the change. Uh, so this is a really skillful, skillful uh, way of attending to experiences. Yeah, we kind of know on a theoretical level this teaching of impermanence, that everything's changing. But actually, do we really take that to heart? Do we really... Um, do we really perceive our experience in that way, particularly when we're embedded in a difficult mind state. It feels like this, is, this thing is really solid, it's really substantial, it's going to be with me all day. And we miss, we miss the gaps, we miss uh, the moments when that subsides, or we miss the ways in which it, it's just, it's changing, it's vibrating, it's, uh, our attention flickers from one thing to another. We don't have to stay uh, kind of embedded in that particular difficult state of mind. It's really choosing to direct our attention 
to the experience of change, to the perception of change. Notice what's changing, what's fluxing in my experience right now. And then, so recognizing, allowing, investigating, and then the N is an interesting one. It's a non-identification. So uh, firstly, not taking this also personally, you know, here's just, this is just a state of mind that I, that's a natural state of mind that I'm, I'm recognizing. I don't have to take it so personally, don't have to let that be the totality of who or what I am. Another way that N is described is returning ourselves to natural awareness, to the, to the spaciousness, to the holistic knowing of the whole of whole of experience, so we're not locked down in a particular difficult mind state. This is where we do this work of really allowing things to dissolve as we shine the light of awareness back on them. So we can also uh, be aware, especially when we're aware of change, so we can be aware behind that of that which is unchanging. We can turn our mind back to the awareness that actually holds uh, and um, witnesses this process, to the knowing of what's here, rather than being lost in the contents of what's here. And then also, you know, noticing those moments of peace, ease and well-being that arise. Noticing when the mind is free from afflictive states, not skipping over that, really taking the time to dwell there, to make that a habitual abiding place. And there's no hurry with any of this. It's so so easy to find ourselves hurrying, you know, I need to get good at this, I need to get this done, get that done. So remembering, you know, what I said last night about actually catching noticing uh, when we have one of these mantras going in the background and the sense of waiting is arising or the sense of hurrying on to the next thing. So I remembered a a quotation from the Czech writer Milan Kundera about uh, speed and slowness, which I think was helpful to me this morning. He said that, Speed, or the demon of speed, is often associated with forgetting, with avoidance. And slowness is associated with memory and confronting. We move slowly when we want to listen to ourselves, to others and to the world around us. We move slowly when we want to accept ourselves. The rush of contemporary life overwhelms us and our ability to observe, to hear, to step back and to wonder. So let's slow down and observe and wonder together. So take a moment to adjust your posture if you want to and we'll sit together.
just opening awareness to whatever's present just now. Frame of the body sitting in this space. The support of Mother Earth. Sense of steadiness, the solidity of the ground under us, under our feet, under these bodies. aware of the sounds around us. It's great uh, ability of sound to reconnect us into presence. And also to take our awareness wider beyond this physical body and the preoccupations of this heart to remind us of our connection to the world around us. In the middle of the soundscape, the vibrating, pulsing, changing sensations of this body this breath. It might be helpful at the beginning of this sitting and at the beginning of any of your sittings to actually spend a a minute or two evoking or realigning ourselves with the attitude of kindness or compassion. This real sense of open-hearted, generous allowing of whatever's here to be here, that this is okay. No requirement to be different from how I am or in a different place from how I am.
sense of this practice as a, a wishing well to ourself. Also, our intention that this practice be of benefit to those around us. You can even actively invite a sense of well-wishing to those around you. Letting the mind come to rest with the sense of the body, this breath. Taking your seat at the center of experience to receive. to understand, to bless with your awareness whatever arises, moment by moment.
Well, there's a little bit of time for um, any questions. If you have any questions coming up about your practice, yes. So, I would love to be freed from my selfing. <laughs> Thank you, yes. So I'll try to try and um, just sort of summarize the question back. So um, that uh, you have particular, particularly finding difficulty with the, the first of the hindrances around like wanting and the, the mind that gets endlessly involved in, in planning and so on. And one of the things that's making it difficult for you to to separate, separate, I'll get a sense of perspective on that, is the, the question, well, um, if I'm not all of that, then what is, the, where am I in this awareness that's, that's aware of everything? So we, and then, you know, if, if there's no me there, there's just awareness, then what does all this karma attach to that's, that's following me around? Wow. <laughs> You know, so this is this is um, one. So karma is one of the things the Buddha said. If you try to figure it out too much, it'll drive you crazy. So there is there is a a continuum of. Um, if you like, consequences of our choices and actions. But it's not me in the way we think about me. You know? And this is something that is very difficult to understand on a, on a conceptual level. So really, when you said, you know, jokingly, oh, this, this, this may be getting too conceptual, or too, it's actually trying to think it through uh, in order to 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 kind of justify the process of letting go to ourselves, it doesn't really work. I'm afraid. It's like you know, I, I I'm not going to let go till I've figured all this out. We're going to be stuck for a very long time, you know. So actually, um, to find to find that space between the planning mind and awareness itself is just 
really um, to notice what it's like to be stuck in the planning mind, to notice how actually what it feels like to be not completely content, not completely at rest or at ease in the present moment. That actually at a certain point it gets, it may be, it may be kind of energizing and interesting to a point, but actually there's a, there's a time when we actually get weary of that. You know, it's, it loses its excitement. It doesn't really meet our need for satisfaction and peace in the present moment. And when we notice that the, the, the moments of the subsiding of the planning, or we're able to put down the planning and tune into something that's really just simply present, just feeling the sensation of sitting, hearing a sound, just being with the the, the bare awareness of the present moment, then actually the, sen- the sense of me fall- falls away because it's a, it, take, it takes a me to have plans, you know. So actually this is it's something that we kind of have to taste experientially rather than, rather than figure out, I'm afraid. Um, so the, don't, go, don't go looking for the, the me and the awareness. <laughs> Does that doesn't really fully, you know, it's a very difficult question to answer completely, but it's something that we really have to kind of feel experientially. Yeah, so this is a really good question. You know, like the, the response of, of, um, of naturally moving towards things or moving away from them is this is actually, this is essential to our survival. You know, this is a part of our evolutionary um, adaptation, if you like. And so the, uh, the experience of, of pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, that's a kind of given. All, all our experience carries something like that. And that's not something that we're trying to eliminate or to get rid of. It's like we need, we need those, as, as physical organisms, in order to survive, we need that, that ability to recognize, or this, you know, if you stick your hand in a fire, you naturally withdraw it. We don't, we're not trying to uh, get rid of that aspect of experience. But, um, and so actually uh, in, the, in the teachings, it's not, it's not the experience of the pleasant and unpleasant that is a problem, it's then what we go and do with it and how, we, how this gives rise to a sense of craving or grasping and grasping over what we, what we can't have grasping for what we can't have or um, 
or wanting to get rid of something that's already there. It's like what we layer on to this basic experience of pleasantness or unpleasantness. So this is actually where, where we have to look. It's like, what am I adding on to the unpleasantness of this moment that's extra? Or how am I actually using this experience of, of desire to create more suffering for myself? That there's, there's, there's a, a, a line um, you know, between that basic experience of, of being drawn towards and, and repelled from something and actually how we, we kind of um, hook into that further and how that feeds a sense of... Uh, further discontentment I'm working to embrace the Mangala Sutra and um, struggling with this phrase living in places of suitable kinds with the fruits of past good deeds mm-hmm. how then should we think of our friends who are poor or homeless mm-hmm. well so, yeah, so the question is from the, the Mangala Sutta that says, uh, living in places of suitable kinds with the fruits of past good deeds. This is one of, one of the highest blessings. So again, this comes back to the, the complexity and the imponderability of karma. You know, it's, it's not a skillful or a useful um, way of relating to it, to to say that people who happen to have been born in a in an unfortunate circumstance to assume that that's actually you know entirely due to their, their own previous um, action and so on the, the 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 forces of cause and effect that come together to create those kinds of situations are so complex and they're complex to the degree that actually if we if we were to try and figure it out it would make us completely nuts but there is a blessing to recognizing the good fortune that we do have when we happen to be you know, blessed with a, a safe, um, comfortable, supportive living condition. Also to recognize the blessing of actually uh, noticing how the, the good deeds that we've done in the past actually um, have created supportive conditions for us. You know, We may have done something... Um, particularly kind or generous in the past, and we can see in our own experience how that creates repercussions into the future. But it's not a skillful use of this teaching to go and then use that as an explaining why why such and such a person is left in such and such a situation. So this is it's a really good thing to to flag that up. To cultivate, yeah. Um, and I am wondering about um, the heart practices and mm-hmm. how they might do something similar. I've been on heart practice retreats where we sometimes they're talked about as concentration practices, mm-hmm. but I don't know if concentration in that context meant samadhi because I know sometimes samadhi sounds like it's concentration. So I found myself wondering about that today, particularly since. Although we're not 
being given formal instruction in heart practices. All of this is continually being wrapped in devotional, compassionate-oriented mm-hmm. mind states through the mm-hmm. chanting and the bowing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So could you say a little bit about whether or how heart practices mm-hmm. can also be a form of cultivating samadhi? Mm-hmm. So the question is, can we, can we use the heart practices of um, developing ca- compassion or, um, or metta, loving kindness, um, as, a, as, a, um, as a support for a method of developing samadhi? And absolutely. You know, so um, we have been emphasizing uh, mindfulness of breathing as the, as the support for de- developing samadhi. But actually... Uh, metta is also traditionally um, a really useful and also accessible way of developing gatheredness, collectedness in the mind. There's no difference. It's not a different thing, the samadhi that develops through mindfulness of breathing or through, through metta practice. And so actually even in, in what we're doing, you know, we're not, we're not um, teaching a formal meta practice in the way that many of you will have learned it using phrases and so on. But actually that suffusing of the whole of what we're doing with an intention of kindness or compassion is actually um, also a support for steadying the mind. And if you find that that, that thread is quite strong for you then this is also a place where we can that's somewhere where we can also anchor and steady our attention so actually to 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 notice the 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 feeling of goodwill that's present and actually reference that as a steadying place for awareness as a as a, as a support for developing samadhi um, as an alternative to the breath or it may be that actually your very breath itself becomes like a, a a loving breath, if you like, or a breath of goodwill, and actually that then the two the two sort of things blend together. But it's totally it's the same it's the same cultivation, just different methods, and it, you're welcome to employ whichever's working for you. Yeah. Okay, so it's ten o'clock again. Um, and we'll be seeing groups again today. And uh, the, the system was intended to be that the groups who were seen on Monday would be see, uh, seen on the first day on Sunday would be seen again today. But there's been a little blip in my maths. So um, people who saw Yong yesterday, I think, will be seeing Tanisara today. So I just have to ask you all to, to check. But most of you, unless you saw Yong yesterday, if you saw someone yesterday, then your next group meeting would be tomorrow. But if you're in any doubt, then please check the board. Yeah. Okay, now I don't know. I'm afraid, I'm afraid oh, we're just going to have to... Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay. So, check the board. Check the board, yeah. <laughs> okay. And thank you for your patience. This is an opportunity to practice patience. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.